Welcome to the Orchard Podcast, a resource of Orchard Africa. The mission of Orchard Africa is to equip the church to care for the vulnerable. For three decades, a passionate community of churches, leaders, and donors have worked together to feed, educate, care for, and empower under-resourced communities in Southern Africa. To date, Orchard Africa and its partners have served over 10 million meals to families in need, cared for over 75,000 orphan children, and enrolled 8,000 children in high-quality early learning programs. All of this takes place with local African leaders to help communities move from survival to stability to sustainability. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Orchard Podcast, where we help you make a positive and sustainable impact in the places of greatest need in our world. My name is Brian Lemieux. I'm the executive pastor of Orchard Africa. And as always, here at the table with Mike and Michelle Tessendorf, the co-founders of Orchard Africa. Michelle is the CEO and provides directional leadership for the ministry of Orchard Africa. And Mike is our senior pastor and leads our Orchard Network that trains and empowers pastors um, throughout uh, Southern Africa. Mike and Michelle, good to uh, be back at the table. And we are recording in South Africa. I'm I live personally in Arizona in the U.S. Uh, you both are here a lot um, doing ministry on the ground. And so I just flew in and uh, loving sitting here, looking out the window and seeing the end of winter and the beginning of fall. And it's I've got my jacket on because I'm from Arizona. I don't wear jackets in Arizona. So it's good to be here in uh, in Africa. Yeah. It is cold and it is the end of winter, but it's the beginning of spring, not fall. Oh, see, I, I, yeah, <laughs> we're on the other I side can of never the get world. it right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. If I'm in the, if I'm in the U.S., I'm moving towards fall. So yeah, right. it, it gets very confusing when you're back and forth a lot, and I, I feel for you. I do that a lot, where it's like I have no idea what season I'm going into <laughs> when we travel a lot. Yeah, absolutely, and of course we use different terms. We don't use the the the, the word fall. And so we, when somebody says fall, first got to figure out, well, what does fall actually mean? Yeah. <laughs> Who fell? No, it's, not, <laughs> it's not spring. Yeah. It's autumn. It's autumn. It's, well, no, yes, but not yet. Not yet. It's well, going okay. Spring. Yes. spring. Yeah. Springtime. Yeah, so we have lots of rain, cold weather, uh, but we're heading towards that wonderful time when we just see the uh, trees budding and... Uh, we're looking forward to mm. spring because it's been mm. a very cold winter. Mm. Mm. It has been. Mm. Of course, this time of year, the beautiful part of um, the season is when all the lili lilies start um, flowering. And so there's just white lilies everywhere. Mm. Yes. On the roadside, in every open field, you just see lilies. It's kind of like this is where Jesus was. Yeah, mm. Lilies of the field. Yeah. But um, mm. maybe we should just put it into context. We're in Cape Town, and that's why there's so many lilies right. growing. This is mm. very indigenous to this area. Mm, mm. That's beautiful. Well, good to be here, and thank you for listening in today. Uh, we've really enjoyed having conversations um, together and thinking about missions, thinking about the impact that we can make throughout the world, thinking about compassion, uh, thinking about outreach. And today, we wanted to continue that conversation and think together about this general topic of missions and outreach. And... Uh, kind of have a conversation around the table and have you listen in as we think about uh, this basic question. Uh, why missions? Why outreach? And what 
what is the value of it? And there's a lot of different opinions on on outreach and missions and what's its purpose and what real significance does it have mm. in the ministry of the local church? Mm. And so um, a topic for, uh, if you're a mission director, I, I think a good topic for us to think about so we can articulate what that really means. But I want to just throw that question out on the table. Um, so why, um, why should the church be engaged in, in outreach? Why should the church be engaged in missions? What's, what's the big why? Yeah, is it even necessary? Uh, shouldn't we be focusing more on dis- discipleship of those that are in our church? Um, it is a good question to ask, and uh, I look forward to just hearing what you guys have got to say and mm. to think, because mm. it's such a, a, a deep part of my life. But uh, we do run across people often who are, why is there such a great big emphasis on outreach? Why should we not be discipling the people in our congregations more? And uh, I think that's a very good and valid mm. question. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. Yeah, I've heard the same thing that we have so many people already within our congregation. Why, why do we need to keep reaching out? Why, why are we so focused on growing the church? What's the big, what's the big purpose of it? Mm-hmm. For me, I honestly believe that discipleship includes um, encouraging and developing and then giving people an opportunity to get involved in a ministry that's outside of themselves and potentially then outside of the church. Mm. Because a lot of the time when we talk about discipleship, we think about teaching and training and ministering to uh, in order that people can grow, which is great. But I've really found that some of the biggest growth steps that people take mm. is when they're given an opportunity to go beyond themselves and outside of themselves and do something practical, do something totally different. Mm. Um, you know, because we can, we can learn by what we're taught, but we learn so much more by what we do. And so I, th- I think it's, it's part of the great picture of discipleship, of uh, having people in your congregation involved well, in outreach. Well, I think you go back and you look at the life of Jesus and what did it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? It was exactly what you were saying, Mike, mm. that it, it was more doing than talking, I think, <clears throat> as uh, they were following Jesus and each and every day he's at work serving those who weren't in that circle of 12 mm. and showing them what it meant to be compassionate, what it mm. meant to see to really see people beyond the circle of the 12. And so just to go back to the very root of this idea of discipleship, what it means to be a follower of Christ, it, it was more, I think it was more doing than talking or reading or maybe some of the things that we typically think of when we think of right. discipleship. And I think when people ask the question or ask me the question, uh, should we be more focused on discipleship or outreach? My answer is it's the same thing. Discipleship mm. and outreach, it's the same thing. Part of um, our spiritual discipline, that, which is the, the process of becoming a disciple. To be a disciple, you have to be disciplined, and there are certain mm. disciplines that work toward that. And one of them is serving. 
And when we engage in this spiritual discipline of serving, uh, we are becoming like Christ. Mm. And that practical process uh, does something within us that makes us more like Christ and we become like him, we become his disciples. And so serving outside of ourselves uh, is a process of becoming a disciple. So it's the same thing. Mm. It's not an either or, it's both. Mm. It's all part of one. Um, I think to, to exclude serving others and not just those in your church, we're talking about serving your community, serving our world, to exclude that from a church would be like excluding prayer because mm. prayer is part of that process of becoming like Christ. It, it forms us when we are praying. And so every church has opportunities for prayer, most certainly. And so every church in my mind should have opportunities mm. for uh, the people within their church to serve without of the church, outside of the church, without it. So mm. it's a within mm. and a without. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I think you can't separate the, um, the outreach from discipleship and some, it's sometimes interesting in a church you have the the discipleship department and you have the outreach department and, yeah you know some churches they work together and see that they're you know one's right hand one's left hand and but in some cases it's sometimes it can be a little bit of a tension or a battle which, which one's more, more important and like you're saying michelle well they're connected they're the same and yeah. outreach is the cat i think the catalyst for discipleship where it helps you to take that growth to the next level. And like you were saying, Mike, I think there's a, there's only so much you can grow without, without that outreach. Mm. Mm. The church is such an incredibly, um, such, such a great organism in the earth because Entrance for everybody into the church or into the kingdom is a step towards the relationship with with Christ, and uh, we believe that uh, he he dwells within those who receive him as as their savior. That the Holy Spirit dwells within those people who acknowledge Jesus as their Lord, um, and um, that the Holy Spirit within us, Christ within us, is is like a fountain that that you wants to come out mm. and so if, if all you're doing is, is is teaching people and helping them to become better christians or more christ-like or better followers of jesus um that, that's great but something on the inside wants to come out mm. and so the, the 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 outreach that we can mobilize a, a, an entire congregation i mean we've got volunteers of people who are bursting to do something mm. And so to shortchange them from being able to do that is almost like trying to keep a lid on something which eventually it's going to explode. Mm. And uh, so, so yeah. the church is just the, this incredible uh, community of people that are wanting to do something. And as the leadership in every church, we should give every opportunity we can and look for every opportunity we can to allow the Holy Spirit to demonstrate the love of Christ through people as they go out and serve beyond themselves. Yeah. So are, are you saying, Mike, that if a pastor is um, teaching discipleship and doing all the things of um, trying to grow people in their knowledge of Christ and in their uh, walk with Christ, 
it will be a natural thing for those people to want to serve, to want to reach out to the, the world. It, it's not something that can be contained. It'll just naturally be there if we are uh, teaching uh, uh, Christ's way to our congregations. Yes, my, my observation of, of, of Christians is that they, 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 they want to do good. Um, the, 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 the presence of Christ within a person um, just inspires a desire to, how can I help somebody? What can I do for other people? How can I uh, demonstrate what I feel Christ has done for me? Mm-hmm. And so if the leadership is not channeling that, and the church is not creating opportunities, opportunities. for that alongside the hmm. discipleship program. Um, inevitably, people are going to start looking for opportunities to uh, demonstrate that kind of uh, desire elsewhere. Right. So why not mobilize them as a church? Why not mobilize hmm. them as a congregation and become known as a church and as a congregation? that is so involved and so concerned about uh, the people around us locally and then, of course, the people beyond us globally. Mm. Mm. Right, mm. right. Well, the, the idea that, that the Holy Spirit, the work of God, wants to break out. I, I love that picture. It loves to, wants to burst out, wants to go to places it hasn't gone yet. And the love of God cannot be constrained. It cannot be contained. Mm. No. And there's a great quote that kind of on the, on this topic I read this past weekend, and it goes like this, that the love of God cannot possibly be bottled up within Christian community. It, it breaks out in the compassion for the world. It, it yearns for the salvation of sinners so that Christ's lost sheep may be gathered safely into his flock. It yearns also to alleviate the material needs of the poor, the hunger, the hungry and the oppressed. So that if we close our hearts against the needy, we can't claim that God's love abides in us. And that when we abide in Christ, it just, the outworkings of that naturally wants to go beyond us and go beyond our, our Christian community. And so... That's a great quote. Absolutely. It's yeah. just natural. It's a natural It's beautiful. Outworking. And I mean, we see that in Orchard Africa, that it was birthed out of the love of God. When we started feeding children on the garbage dump, um, I don't think it was because our congregation or that Mike and I were uh, more saintly than the next pastor. It was just because the love of God within us compelled us to do something for hungry children that are scratching on the city garbage dump. How can we be pastoring in a Mm, city mm -hmm. and turn a blind eye to those children (coughs) who were hungry because of the AIDS pandemic and who were orphaned? Um, it, It had nothing to do with our saintliness being more saintly than the next guy it's it's got to do with the love of christ within us that as you said mike bursts out it it can't be contained Mm -hmm. Uh, i mean i remember those early days where at night it was almost like i couldn't sleep Mm. i couldn't put my kids down in a warm bed with a full belly thinking about these little children that didn't have and we could do something about it so Mm. you know the that reaching out to the community that has resulted in an international ministry and uh, all the things that God has done through us, Mm. um, which has grown us as people. I am a better disciple because of it. Mm. Mm. One of the things that we hear a lot 
from mission teams. Is a little late in the week. We're sitting around the circle and talking about what they've experienced over the course of the week on mission and in one of our communities and partner churches. And, and inevitably, the comment will be made, I, I just sense God here in Africa more more than more than at home. You, you've you've heard this this yes. conversation. Absolutely, and, yeah. You know, I, I need to I need to live here. Um, you know, because God's here and we, we always have this conversation of, well, it's the natural work of God in you, transforming you, developing you, when you are that intentional about service. Right. And when we neglect that we're only experiencing half of what god wants yeah for us and mm. but it's it's interesting every 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 trip there's somebody that has that light bulb moment that yeah. i didn't know god could work so powerfully in me and i could feel so deeply the presence of mm. god mm. and how intricately connected that is to yeah. and it's because serving. they intentionally took 10 days out of their life and um they're no longer scrolling on their phone. They're no longer uh, <laughs> engaged in everyday busyness. Mm. And uh, for those 10 days, they're focusing on the work of mm. God and they're uh, intentional about the community that's with them uh, on the trip and the new community they're meeting. And all of those things are spiritual disciplines. And, and so a, a mission trip is is almost like a, a baptism into a whole bunch of spiritual disciplines of this mm -hmm. idea of silence and solitude, which generally happens. You'll see people naturally uh, finding a spot on, them, on their own and thinking about what they've experienced or the spiritual disciplines of serving somebody else or even serving your your fellow team members, all of those things start happening on a mission trip where it's a natural process. And yet when we finish our trip, then we go back to the busyness of our life. And mm -hmm. as you rightfully said, if we continue those disciplines, we'll find out that God lives in the United States uh, too mm -hmm. or wherever mm -hmm. it is that mm -hmm. you live. God's there too. Uh, it's just that uh, because they're in Africa and being intentional about it, that they experience all these wonderful um, things, the things of God. Uh, another side of that too, though, is that when people come on a mission trip to Africa, um, they are intentionally exposed to the neediest of the needy. Um, the focus is let's uh, engage you in serving people that are challenged, disadvantaged, struggling in some way. And so there's that exposure of, wow, look at, look at the need. And then, wow, look at how God used me to minister into that need in some way. Um, and I think a lot of Western people take for granted that the social support system in the developed world is pretty good. So, you know, if somebody's hungry, there's a food bank. If somebody doesn't have a place to stay, there's the shelter. Uh, so there, there's a good social infrastructure to catch people who fall through the net. But my question is, should we as a church just take for granted that there's the safety net and not be involved in providing that safety net as well? Why not the church? 
why can, why not the church be the place of refuge why not the church be the place of practical help practical provision for those who maybe need shelter or food or some other physical crisis that they're going through and i'm not i'm not diminishing the social infrastructure at all uh, it's wonderful when you're in a developed country and you see all those things that are available but why not the church jesus mm -hmm. is building his church yeah. uh, jesus said that the the love of god would be demonstrated through the church that he would be seen manifested through the church and so um when those people say, well, I'm going to come and live in Africa, just take a step outside of your door and stand in the street or go down to a, you know, downtown. And those same needs that you saw in Africa are everywhere. Mm. And why not the church then yeah. as a community getting involved in ministering that way? Right. And I think um, if we look at the history of the church, all these good works started through the church. And somewhere in our history, it became part of the social structure in developed world. Um, and yet the scripture in Galatians 6.10 uh, says, As you have opportunity, do good to all men, mm. but especially to the household of faith. Mm. Uh, I think it, it's part of the church's mandate to do good to all men. And those all men includes the people down the road from mm. us, our next door neighbor, mm. Um, and those that live very far from us across the oceans. Uh, you know, sometimes I think we read in the book of Acts about going to Jerusalem and Judea and then to the other parts of the world, and we see it as three steps. I don't. I think it's, it's one thought. It's all the same. Is The people who live in Jerusalem or in Judea or in the uttermost parts of the world are people that God died for, loves, uh, cares for, and... To me, it's all one. Mm -hmm. um, it can, you know, I understand the strategy, strategic, concentric circles and all of that, but it should be to all men. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. And I think about um, kind of on that point, that to uniquely be the church and to be a follower of Jesus, it means that you, you see people that go unnoticed. Mm. That... There's so many invisible people in our world where they're in great need and every day people walk by and they're completely unnoticed. And there's that story of Jesus when he was walking past the pool of Bethesda that one day and there was a man there that had been paralyzed for 38 years yeah. at the pool and everyone's walking by, everybody's walking by, no one sees him, goes completely unnoticed, but though he was completely invisible to the world he was visible to jesus and that's part of the identity of the church is that we yes. see beyond our own community we see beyond our own agenda of our day and and we live in a time right now where we can see people much further away than yeah mm. any other time in human history just based on technology and the ability to travel and so, I mean, no better time to be able to say, we see you. I love that. I absolutely love that. Just while you're talking, I'm thinking about invisible people and how the church is uh, seeing those invisible people. And we see that happening in the process of a mission trip. 
where um, somebody that's part of the team starts feeling that people see me because you're living in community, you're having times of prayer together, you're discussing what you've seen during the day. And I see that often where a quiet person Mm -hmm. who possibly nobody's ever even noticed in the church before uh, becomes visible and their wonderful gifts come out and they bless their team, whereas back home nobody even knows who that person is possibly. Mm -hmm. And we've seen that happen. But then also helping the team see the invisible people in the community Mm -hmm. they've come to serve. Um, How often we hear people say, you know, there was this uh, old mama sitting alone and I just went and sat with her and God Mm -hmm. compelled me to reach out to her or this little child that was alone. And these seemingly invisible people in a community that get seen by the team. And then we hear the stories afterwards of... uh, those people and how their lives have been touched and how God has worked in them because somebody saw them and somebody noticed them. So I love that idea of um, outreach being a part of seeing all of those people who are invisible. Mm. Mm. The other great thing which we've seen over the years um, that follows a mission trip is People, again, are intentionally put into a position where they are exposed to great need and given an opportunity to serve that need. But a large, large percentage of the people who go back home after a mission trip actually start looking for opportunities to do what they experienced when they were away from home. And I think that's a great um, resource for every church leadership to um, recognize mm. that my people are actually growing. Uh, my congregation members are actually developing spiritually. And as a result of being on a mission trip, they come back with a greater desire to, to love God and to love people. And so, you know, it may, may happen a, a thousand miles or 10,000 miles away from home mm. on, on a mission team. Mm. But hey, it can happen just outside the church mm. parking lot mm. or you know, outside a person's front door. And so again, I think uh, uh, church leadership should recognize that and capitalize on that mm. and then systemize it mm. as part of the whole discipleship program mm. that look at how my people are growing. Mm. And it's not just by what they're learning, it's by what they're experiencing and then mm. learning to put that into practice. Right, mm. right. But I think there is a caveat here is it's not the process of going that does it. It's the intentionality about it. At Orchard yes. Africa, for example, we're very, very intentional with mission teams that come to us. We consider it a privilege and we, we see a church in the United States almost in a sense lending their congregation to us uh, And in that process, we have a responsibility to disciple them. While they're with us, they're part of us. We we become pastors to that that team. And uh, in the communities um, that we go and serve, we tell that pastor of the church that we're going to serve, you are a pastor to these people that are coming, not just to your own people, God is going to use you during this time to minister to these because the pastor in the United States has sent his flock to you. And you don't stop being a pastor, you continue. And uh, I think when there's an intentionality with 
the people you're serving, the organization you're serving through or with of um, discipleship, of growing people, seeing this uh, act of mission trips, as we call it, not a, uh, a cultural exchange, even though there is some of that, not just, well, we're traveling to a new country, even though there is some of that, but the, the main purpose is discipleship and growing people and part of that process of pastoring people, spiritual mm-hmm. discipline. We've mm-hmm. been very intentional as an organization to build all of that in. It's not just about serving on the ground. It's all these other things that go into mm-hmm. uh, the process. It is intentional. Mm-hmm. And it's that process with people of all ages too. Yes. Um, if I put my dad hat on for a moment, I have a daughter who's 19 and we were very intentional to engage her with missions and outreach early on in her young life. So she went on her first mission trip when she was 14 and talking about the transformation of a life, discipling someone, uh, it's literally changed the way that she sees the world, Um, changed the way that she thinks about what she wants her life to be about. Um, she uh, has a heart for people in other places of the world that are in need. And so if you're a, you know, if you're a youth pastor or mm-hmm. if you're serving younger generations, you know, don't wait for your outreach ministry to start when they become an adult. That some of the greatest impact that can be made is when young people are... Um, moldable and flexible yeah. and wanting to learn and, and then it becomes deep into um how they uh, how they see god and how they see god's purpose for their life and so i've i've just had the incredible joy of being able to see that as a yeah. as a dad so uh it's not only adults it's it's teens and uh children too and maybe you, you know you don't bring your child on a mission trip across the world, but the outreach opportunities for kids. Mm. Mm. So it's kids, it's teens, it's adults. Yeah, and even the elderly. You know, we've had uh, a mission teams made up of people in their 70s and 80s and mm. uh, have flown across the world at that age and has served in amazing ways. We watch these people serve and how children in the village are drawn to the elderly and they are drawn to the children. And um, it, it's wonderful. It's for all ages. Uh, we never stop being a disciple. We're never too young and we're never too old. And I keep talking about discipleship because for me, uh, missions and outreach, it's all part of being a disciple. It's one and the same thing. Mm. Yeah, absolutely mm. it is. Mm. Well, thanks for being a part of this conversation with us. And I encourage you to have that conversation maybe with your team or with your family or, you know, wherever you have a sphere of influence and um, to see the way that it's a bo- it's a both and opportunity. Mm. So with that, thanks for listening in. Thanks for being a part of this conversation in the community. And uh, we want to thank our Orchard community who makes all what we do on the ground in South Africa, a reality as we equip the church to care for the vulnerable. And you can find out more about the Orchard community, about Orchard Africa, just by visiting our website, www.orchardafrica.org. 
Thanks again. Yep. Bye-bye mm. from a cold and windy Cape Town. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. <laughs>